like my newest bit is about how black women don't always get listened to by medical professionals. And that was a thing that was, has been on my mind for a while. Cause it's true and it sucks. And it ha- it's happened to me. It's happened to my mom. It's happened to my friends. And I did want to figure out a way to talk about it. And I guess maybe there is a part of me that's like, if I talk about it, other people will talk about it and maybe we will like get closer to figuring out what we can do to like stop this, but not in so much where I was like, it's my responsibility to say this. Like I'm the mouthpiece for this. I'm a, I'm not dumb. I'm not, I'm aware if I talk about it, other people will talk about it too. Cause I'm in a very privileged position to be on stage and people will listen to me, but I don't want to put so much weight on what I'm doing to think like, if I don't talk about it, no one will kind of thing. Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. We are eight days away from the startup Underground Comedy Fest. We'll be kicking things off with Comedy Central's Up Next Audition Showcase at Big Hunt, where the best comics in the city will be performing for a chance to go to Clusterfest, Comedy Central's giant festival in San Francisco this summer. On the second night of the fest, we'll have Rami Youssef headlining Big Hunt. Rami has an HBO special coming out and a new show on Hulu about his life and the conflicts between being a Muslim and a millennial in America. We've got 20 shows total over four nights. You can get info and tickets on the website. Our guest this week is Sashir Zameda. Sashir is a very funny comic now living in Los Angeles. She was a cast member on Saturday Night Live, has performed on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and most recently had a recurring role on Corporate on Comedy Central. In this episode, she talks about having to change schools while growing up in a military family, her early experiences in New York, and the position she is now in to spread awareness about the issues she cares about most. Where are you from originally? Um, well, my dad was in the military, so kind of all over. Okay. I was born in Japan. Whoa. In I didn't know Japan. that. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. Um, I guess I don't talk about you it. You don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't they know? Uh, but I was, I, I, we left when I was like 10 months old, so I don't oh, remember so very, Okay. Okay. But I would lie to kids when I <laughs> was in elementary school. They'd be like, where were you born? I was like, oh, Japan. And they're like, whoa, what's it like? And I'd be like, oh, it was so crazy there was like <laughs> dragons everywhere <laughs> everyone was like just ninjas i, I, I don't know why I, <laughs> I had a problem lying when i was in grade school yeah. also yeah i would lie about things and then i i i stopped but yeah i don't I know what, to, what that instinct was i went to a christian school when i was in elementary school so okay. maybe god told me to stop <laughs> yeah maybe you learned from from uh from jesus yeah how long were you in the christian school it was just first and second grade. And so where was long. it? It was this was in Hampton, Virginia. And uh yeah, it was just this private Christian school. We got paddle paddlings paddled. Wow. If we were bad. Yeah. I got Do you think that twice. had any lasting impact on you? Hmm. Probably. Right? You would think it's physical violence. Yeah. You know? I do remember well, I have my memory of the events are like dramatic. I don't think it was that dramatic. They had like the second grade teacher, Mrs. Holt, who, uh, when I think about it, she was just this frail, yeah, white haired yeah, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, she was a scary witch. Yeah. <laughs> and she was. Old people can have strength. <laughs> they just sometimes they're strong. strong. Yeah, I think I'm sure the paddle was more like just for effect. I don't think they were trying to hurt us. I well, think it's like it was emotional. Like, yeah. Like you're in trouble. Yeah. You did something bad. This is your punishment. And so they'd make a big production of leading you down the hallway, taking you to the paddling oh room. Oh my God. <laughs> and in my memory, the paddling, wow, the room, paddling room, there was a room. Yeah. Oh or, or maybe it was just like a different classroom, but I can't, but I feel like it's it funny. was a room. You imagine like all the students lined up in the hallway as you walk with your head down. Yeah. And yeah, they're just yeah. like shaking their heads at me yeah. like, Ugh, another one bites the dust. Yeah. That's like medieval. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. And then you lean over the chair and they paddle your butt. Yeah. It's uh, that's, it's nice that that's gone. It is nice part. that it's gone. Yeah. And the parents can choose to do that if they want to. Were you in Virginia? Throughout all of high school, like through high no. school. No, so we were in Hampton, Virginia, for two years. Then we moved to Riverside, California, and then my parents got divorced. And then me, my mom, my brother moved to Indiana, and that's where I stayed for most of my schooling, from like middle school to high school. Was it hard moving, switching schools? 
Could um, you tell when you're that young? Yeah, because I, I, I do think it hindered my ability to maintain relationships mm-hmm. because I'd move somewhere and be like, well, if we're moving soon, there's no point in me like really making friends. Yeah, wow. So I developed the ability to quickly make friends, but like superficial relationships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also as a kid, all your relationships are superficial anyway. Well, not, I mean, I, don't know, yeah. I guess you can, I have my, uh, my partner's friends are his lifelong childhood friends. So, and that I don't get at all. Cause I'm, yeah, yeah. Cause I think people do make lifelong friendships yeah. that, at early ages. Yeah. So I guess my, my friendships were superficial for the beginning parts of my life. And then, uh, yeah, I just be quick to cut off cause we're leaving. So. Yeah. That's such a hard thing. I, I, that's like a thing for all the things that I wish were different about growing up. The one thing I'm like very grateful for is that I didn't have to switch schools. That you did. I didn't. did not. Yeah. I never had to change schools. Um, and you know, so I was able to keep, you know, some core of friends throughout each transition to just kind of make it easier. Cause it's so hard even without even staying in the same school is hard. And I can't even imagine having to just be like, I'm brand new and I'm a kid. Yeah, every few years I'm the new kid. Yeah, that's really tough. Do you think that had a lot? Do you think that had a lasting impact on you? Yeah, I uh, and I don't. I mean, I think in varying ways. Mm-hmm. I'm like a introverted extrovert, or whatever the that test tells you you are. I have a really hard time <laughs> figuring out what I am. Also, yeah, I'm confused by it. It's either introverted extrovert or extroverted introvert. Yeah, you know, I have both qualities where I can obviously be confident on stage in front mm-hmm. of people. But like I do have anxiety and like yeah. get really uh, antsy and anxious in like public or just talking to people. Right. And where I'm like, I got to bail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel the exact same way. I feel like, you know, instinctively, I, I kind of just don't want to talk to anybody or leave my apartment. Mm-hmm. But then like when I get out and I start talking to people, then I'll get like wound up and I'll talk yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I don't. Well, so what's that make me? I don't I know. I know. But also maybe like everyone kind of deals with that. I feel like I most people I talk to are like just balancing different anxieties. And I'm like, are we all dealing with this? That's what, yeah, I think that too all the time. I'm like, okay, I know I've got all these issues and I know my wife has these issues and my friends have these. And then I'm like, okay, I don't know anybody without any issues so yeah. far. Is it only because <laughs> I'm selecting people with issues Ooh. or is it because everyone has issues and once you get to know them, you'll find out. I mean, I think everyone has issues. I, I think, think really everyone that's has issues. Is. Yeah, and it's it's maybe you're selecting people who are open about talking yeah, about those probably. issues because they're probably people who have issues who don't right. even acknowledge them at all. Yeah, and those are not your friends because they wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't think that I, I don't think that things have gotten to a point where everyone's has accepted that everyone has issues. It's still everyone is still categorized by their issues. Like, oh, this person is depressed. This person's anxious. Um, and I, I'm always thinking in my, I'm always trying to imagine in my head, like, okay, who's, what would it look like with no issues? <laughs> like, what if everything was going just right? Then what it will, what it would look like? Hmm. It's, t- it's kind of hard to picture. It is. It's kind of hard to picture just kind of flowing through life with, with no troubles. I can't imagine. Cause also I feel like if that was the case, I'd be like, well, what's wrong with me that, nothing, <laughs> that nothing's wrong? <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Do you think that you have to have some level of adversity to want to be funny and like want to perform. I don't know if you have to, I do think most people I know who do comedy have either had something happen or just, I don't know. They weren't like in a peachy keen kind of upbringing Mm -hmm. or they were, but something else was going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think comedy does come from trauma or mm-hmm. a coping a coping mechanism to get through some sort of emotional situation. It's just uh it's a fun device to be able to like yeah. turn whatever pain you have or stress into a joke. Right. Yeah, it's strange that that's yeah. the that, that that's how it works out. Do you want to talk about what you think? <laughs> Well, when I was, no, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think moving around was stressful. My parents getting divorced was stressful. Um, my relationship with my parents is still stressful. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's like a lot of things that could be the reason why I'm funny. Yeah, I think my parents got divorced when I was like between five and six. And then I had to move back and forth between their house like every other night. Mm-hmm. Every they, other night? Yeah. Did they live close? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so my dad just like rented a house like that was like a couple blocks away from wow. the house that we lived in. And, but the thing that was crazy for me was my mom was like, you know a wreck from from getting divorced and like really just shut down and couldn't deal with it and then my dad was like locked in functional trying to make things happen right didn't really know how to like raise kids up by himself but he was like you know i'll I'll figure it out like i'll make dinner we're gonna go to parks and stuff my mom was like just out like just in outer space so then i end up in this situation where one night i'll be i'm in charge I there's no rules I do whatever you know we do whatever we want me and my sister and then the next night I've got someone telling me what to do and then going back and forth for every every night as I got older yeah was uh really had a huge impact on me and then uh I think it just like led to lots of issues and like led to me kind of feeling a little different from other people and then I I think that it's kind of easy to just draw the line into you know, being funny, being having a different way of looking at things or whatever, and uh, just going down that path from that. Yeah, I think my my parents definitely treated me and my brother differently because my dad left the state that he's, he was in Maryland for a little bit, then Virginia, and I was in South Carolina. Uh, but our relationship was more like, you do whatever you want. Like, I can't tell you what to do because I'm not there. Right. And then my mom was like, overly strict with me uh where i felt like i was being punished for not for preemptively doing a thing where yeah, it's like, yeah. oh you thought about going out well i'm gonna like punish you for yeah, that yeah. for the idea um yeah so that was like crazy to deal with and like also you're comparing yourself to other kids and like well why aren't my parents like that yeah and why how am did, i getting treated like this how did you feel when you were in high school did you feel like did you feel like a normal kid like a I don't think I did. I don't think I realized it then, but looking back, I feel like I was more secretive than I had to be and Uh very like closed off. Uh Like I would have really one friend, like one best friend at a time. Uh And that would be the person who knew everything about me, but like no one else did. I'm sure if you interview people from my high school, they'd be like, I don't, she was around, but I don't really know much about her. I never went to her house. I don't know where she lived. Yeah. Um, and I can't even really pinpoint why, because no one told me to be like that. But I just felt like instinctively like. Do you still feel most comfortable one on one? Yeah. Because I really do. Yeah. I really feel comfortable one on one, and I feel not great in in groups. Same. Like big groups is difficult for me, and and not very fun for me. And but what if I'm one on one with somebody, then I feel like I can really connect with them and talk to them and you know it's kind of easy for me to deal with but it's overwhelming to me to deal with even three people at once like kind of Mm -hmm. riffing is uh can be can be tricky i think yeah i have uh like a couple close friends in la and yeah people have been like what do you like to do for fun in la and i'm like just go to my friend's house and (laughs) sit on their couch right and talk to them and then I've like had moments where I'm like with my one friend and then they're like, I'm inviting more people. And I'm like, I'm going to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No offense. These people are great, but I don't want to pretend like I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, there is a pressure of like it becomes like some social gathering instead mm-hmm. of if you're just with one person, you're not trying to do anything. You're yeah. Just, you're just kind of sitting there. Yeah. What do you think you wanted to do when you were like in high school and early college? Um, I think... I don't know if I knew what I wanted to do in high school. I, in college, I thought I was going to be a broadcast journalist. Okay. Like, I I don't even know why. I guess I liked the idea of delivering the news or, or doing something that was, like, important and kind of adjacent to politics. For a minute, I did think I was going to be in politics. Really? Yeah. I, like, canvassed for a few people in, in Indiana. Um, I don't know. I just... I, I, want, I like the idea of helping people, uh-huh. but then the closer I got to it, the more I was like, oh, this is work I don't want to dedicate my yeah. life to. Not right now, anyway. Um, and then, yeah, I was like, the broadcast journalism thing seemed cool, and then I actually shadowed 
an anchor in our town. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm sure the job entails way more than what I saw, but it just seemed like we were waiting for the news to happen. And I was like, I don't like that part. I kind of want to create. Right. So then I started writing and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And also, like, I think the TV part was attractive to me. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I think more entertainment based stuff right. is what I want to do versus like. How did how did you write? Um, well, I I was writing like little plays and stuff uh, and just like ideas for things like for class or on your own on my own uh, that went nowhere at all. Sure. But just like, here's some, here's an idea. What if this happened? Right. Right. And then when I got to college, I I kind of stumbled into the drama program. Like my friends were doing musicals. And so I started doing musicals and then they were auditioning for plays. And so I, I started doing that too. And then the program I was in, they made you do multiple classes. You weren't just like an acting concentration. You were also learning how to playwright. You were learning how to be a stage manager. You were Mm -hmm. learning about lighting and stuff like that, which I'm so thankful for because I know like multiple yes. aspects of the form as opposed to being like, I only act and that's it. Right. Uh, so yeah, it was very helpful and, and, and fun. And I was able to like create a lot while I was in school. And, and afterwards I was like, I thought I was going to do theater. I thought I was going to be like in Broadway and mm-hmm. write plays and act in plays and stuff like that. But I did audition for when I moved to New York, but then I kept going to see improv and I was like, actually I think I like comedy more than anything else yeah was it were you writing things that were funny before you yeah i think uh well yes and no yeah not intentionally not like where i was like <laughs> this is a comedic play but i think there were funny aspects to it uh-huh, uh-huh. um but yeah it really wasn't until i got to new york in 2009 when i was like i'm a comedian yeah and i don't think i would have anticipated that before right yeah. So you started improv was the first thing that you did. Yeah, I was doing improv in college, and then when I and I knew about UCB, the Upright Citizens right. Theater, uh, and would go see shows as a fan, and then eventually started taking classes, and uh-huh. then just stayed and was like, I'm hooked <laughs> forever. And how long before you started doing stand up? Not that long. Like, I I moved to New York in January of '09. Started doing, started taking improv classes in March. I started doing open mics in August of 09. Okay. So so pretty quick. Pretty quickly, yeah. And do you still... Are you still evenly divided between hmm. improv and stand-up? I do still do improv. It's mostly with uh, Nicole Byer, who's my best friend, who's my one friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's your one friend? That's my one friend. And... Uh, spot is taken. <laughs> the spot is taken. I have like a couple other spots, but those are also filled. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I don't really do much more improv. Like I was doing, I was still on a team in New York when I lived there, mm-hmm. but now that I'm in LA, it's pretty much just with Nicole. I might drop in on shows. Do you shows. guys do show like a, a regular yeah, show? Yeah, we do a monthly show at Largo, which is okay, very cool. Fun. Yeah. Just the two of you? Yeah. And what is the format of it? We do, we interview a set of best friends from the audience and, and cause we're best friends. So it's like a best friends show okay. and then get information from what they're saying. And then we'll just do scenes based off of. Well, they told us and there's no like form. We used to be really big on like the deconstruction or like the mono scene or figuring out the actual form. But now we're kind of like whatever happens, <laughs> yeah. happens. And we'll just try to call things back as much as possible. But yeah, there's not like a distinct breaking down of anything. So I don't know if this is public knowledge, but you guys are going to do a podcast. Yeah, we are. Yeah. And is it based on the live show? It's, it's, I guess based on a live show that it will still be about best friends or Uh, best friendship, but not, we won't be improvising in the podcast. Like people will call in or, uh, write us messages on our email or something like that. And we'll just answer them and give advice on friendship. Cause we've been through a lot and we've been friends for like 10 years and that's, you know, we ha- we are not the the smartest friends. We, we, <laughs> we, it's not like we know everything, but we have some things to give advice about. But people, a lot of people like both of you. Yeah. So you already have the experience together, plus nice following. So I think it seems Hopefully. like it should be a bright future for the so. for the podcast. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. So you you were doing uh, improv and stand up, and then like, mm. what was the first exciting thing that happened in New York? Ooh, the first exciting thing. Well, 
uh, I was taking classes at UCB and you can audition to be on a house team there. Okay. Which I did a couple times and didn't get, I would, got, I would get called back, but I wouldn't get on the team. Mm-hmm. And that happened to Nicole and that happened to our other friend, Keisha Zoller. And we all kind of came together and we're like, you know what? We'll just start our own team and we don't have to wait for someone to say yes to us. Yeah. And we were just performing around town doing really well. We were in this thing called cage match where there's two different improv teams competing and the audience votes on it. Mm-hmm. And we won that a bunch and <laughs> we were like beating That's awesome. our teachers and house performers that were at UCB. Hey, and what's more satisfying than beating your teacher? There was a moment where I actually was in class and I did beat my teacher the night before. <laughs> if I could compete against my teachers in grade school and high school, I think I would be a much happier person. <laughs> if I had an opportunity to defeat them in competition, I think it, my whole life would be different. It would, Yeah, I think everyone would probably like that. Because <laughs> I'm confident I could have beat most of them in, in almost anything. In anything, yeah. Any 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 competition. Yeah, even chess, if, basketball. Even if it was just a test on their subject. Mm-hmm. If, I ha- if, I, if I was able to compete against them, if that was the goal, it would inspire me. <laughs> and I would actually have studied, I think. Yeah. That's pretty fun. That's cool. Yeah, it was very cool. We got a lot of attention. And then, like... Um, that's how I got my first manager and my commercial agent because they saw us performing and and being on stage. And yeah, that was like that fun moment where I mean, most of the things in my life where I decide to just do my own thing instead of like waiting for yeah, it. Yes, yeah, right. have like been so fruitful and way better than if I had asked for the yes in the first place. Yeah, same. Yeah, it's really it's really a pretty standard lesson. Yeah. That, that like <laughs> seems obvious, but it's it's hard to do it because you think that there are these uh, structures that are in place and systems that you know, you got to go through to get to where you want to go. It seems like it's it's laid out for you and it's all so frustrating to get through mm-hmm. and uh a lot of times if you have an idea, if you can do something on your own, or even if you don't have a great idea, you just try to do something on your own. Yeah. Other things will come out of that. Yeah. And then did you get an Apple commercial? Yeah, I got an Apple commercial. I forget what year it was, but it was the year I was the brokest. <laughs> I remember being like so broke. I can't. I don't know if you heard this part of my act last night, but yeah, there was a moment where I was living in this apartment in Greenpoint with no windows. And, oh, no, I didn't hear it. Uh, yeah, I was just like... It was sad, man. <laughs> it was, I've lived in an apartment with no windows before. Yeah. Multiple, actually. Yeah. It was It was no window. It was, I mean, it was like a fun comedy house. There were other right. comedians who were like rotating through that house. Um, we would have four to five to six people <laughs> at any moment, but I think there were only like four bedrooms. I mean, technically, I don't think those were supposed to be bedrooms, but. Yeah, of course not. Because they didn't have windows. But uh, we would have, we had mice, we had roaches, our ceiling fell in, our stove didn't work. And. It was cheap, but it was stressful because it wasn't like a nice, conducive, creative environment. I lived in a basement apartment where at one point the heat was broken, but our ga- our stove still worked. Mm-hmm. And I just turned all the burners on on the stove and that heated the entire oh apartment. That oh, was how I was heating the no. apartment. And we had like a bathtub, but no shower. So I like built a shower. Like, How'd you build a shower? You can buy uh, the like the faucet that comes, you know, where the tub is. Yeah. You can buy one that has like a, a hose that comes off of it. That's like looks like a, that's attached to a shower head. So uh-huh. I bought that and then I just put PVC pipe all around the top of of it to kind okay. of create a, um, you know, where the curtain would hang off of. And then I just attach and then I attach the that nozzle to the top of it and so yeah so it's very handy of you well yeah i'm pretty handy i'm handy i'm a handy guy but but also like we'll live in the worst conditions and not really pay any attention to it yeah it's kind of disgusting do you (laughs) think that um i've started recently looking back on like maybe like four or five years ago and just starting to think like oh i think that was the good time I think that that was like that was like the romantic um, early fun young time. Yeah, because I feel like I'm out of it. I feel like, you know, I don't really want to hang out real late anymore or, you know, my apartment is, you know, not horrible now and everything is okay and stable. 
and I, I keep looking back and I'm like, yeah, okay. That was it. That was yeah. my youth. Do you, do you like look back fondly on those bad oh, apartments? Definitely, yeah. Those were the fun times. Uh, even though I was living in hell, I <laughs> did enjoy the people I lived with and I liked Greenpoint. I liked my neighborhood a lot. I liked being able to walk to my other friends places. Um, I loved taking classes and like being in the city where I just like take a class, go do a commercial audition, go see a show or go do a show or go do my practice group or something or go do an open mic or rehearse with my sketch group. Like that was just like, no one was telling me what to do. I was just right. really just doing whatever I thought was fun. And I, sometimes I didn't even know what I was doing and like why I was just like, I enjoy this and right. I don't know where it's going. Yeah. You're just in it. Yeah. And those were, yeah, those were very fun times. Um, although I'm having a blast now too. <laughs> do you feel pressure now that things are, things are flowing, you know, really well for you yeah. and does it, do you worry about keeping it going? Like, does it make it harder at, once you get to a certain point when you're like fight, when you're in green point and mm-hmm. you have no windows, it's like, you don't think about anything. You're like, I just got to do the next thing. Like a, what, you know, you're, you're in the middle of it. But then w- once you get to a certain point, you have a little bit of time to think about it. And I, and for myself, I, I think like, okay, well I'm doing this now. Now, now, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do next? Like how long am I going to be able to keep this going? Hmm. No, I'm not worried. That's good. Yeah. Because I guess this is what I wanted. Yeah. So I just, I, and thankfully I feel very fortunate that I'm getting the things I want and I just keep creating new goals to get along I the mean, way. You're getting really beautiful things. Yeah. They're like pretty fun. Being on corporate. I mean, we talked about it last night a little bit, but that's like, I, I, I really love corporate. I think it's, it's really so well done and everybody and it's so good. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was really a dream. I was already a fan of the show and then this opportunity came out to be in the show and I'm like so jazzed about it. And then uh, I'm going to start shooting a show with Rory Scovel, which I'm really excited about. And what's that show called? It's called Robbie. Robbie. And uh-huh. we are co-parenting a, a 10 year old kid. And who's Robbie? Rory is Robbie. Rory's Robbie. <laughs> Rory's Robbie. Okay. <laughs> and I'm his ex Ava. And we're shooting in Atlanta for a few months. And Oh, it's based in Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, neat. I guess like outside of Atlanta. But I feel very fortunate that I'm working with people I really enjoy and right. and on projects I really enjoy. I mean, you know, there was a period where I obviously was just doing whatever was offered to me. And I was sure. like, yes, I'll take it. It's money. <laughs> but it's, it's still exciting to some extent. To get anything is exciting. Absolutely, yeah. Early on. But now I feel really fortunate that I can choose yeah. what I want to do instead of Absolutely. just being like, please look at me. You right, know? right. I can curate what I, what my career looks like a little bit more. Do you have a, a sense of like what you would want to do? Like what's the most like satisfying to you as far as like improv, stand-up, writing, acting? Because um, you've done a lot of stuff. I know. I mean... I think I'm, I mean, I'm still head over heels over stand up. I love doing it. I love thinking of new ideas. Mm-hmm. I love traveling and talking to people in different cities and hearing their perspective on what I'm saying. And, uh, yeah, that's like just a, such a pure way to connect with the audience and with people in front of you. Cause all I'm doing is talking about stuff that pertains to me. Exactly. But they're still getting something out of it. And that makes me really excited. Yeah, it's neat because especially I think people's idea of what stand up is, I think, is changing a bit, um, uh, you know, especially this past year with like the, the different specials that have come out yeah. that have kind of like kind of pushed pushed uh, just the standard format of a, a comedy special. And it allows, I think, performers now are starting to be able to have a little bit more freedom when they're on stage in terms of what's expected of them and what's acceptable for, for you to talk about and how you talk about things. Do you feel that? Can you tell that? Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's more, um, freedom to just perform the way you want to perform. I think that's really cool. Uh, I feel like there used to be a lot of divisions of like, well, this is what stand up is and this is not what stand up is. And, uh, you know, this is what a special looks like. This is, these are how jokes are formed. Right. But because there's just more people doing it and more ways to consume it, the 
the need for diversity, I guess, for mm-hmm. different voices is so uh, prevalent. And like, like when I started, I, I felt self-conscious about the way I was telling jokes because it, I do more, I guess, storytelling kind of stuff where I tell mm-hmm. stories, but I don't think it's storytelling. But then yeah, the, I wouldn't call it storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't either. But like, it's people, like kind of like medium form. Yeah, there are stories. It's not in short it. jokes. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely not short jokes. Like I like one joke is like five minutes for me, or can be. But it's not super long form either. No, yeah. Um, but like people used to try to make that that division when I was yeah. starting and be like, well, these aren't really jokes; these are like stories. And I'm like, well, I don't know the difference. Yeah. Um, like a lot of, you know, people's heroes who are like, like Pryor or Carlin, like they're also telling stories. But everyone's right. telling stories. Right. If you're talking about yourself, you're telling stories. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it, it like goes in cycles, I think, of what people expect or whatever is mm-hmm. maybe popular at the time. Yeah. And then that goes away or it's not as it's not taking over everything. And then people have the opportunity to kind of do different types of things yeah you talk about a lot of important issues to people that you, you're not talking about strictly frivolous things yeah i just talk about things that i i don't know get confused by or angry about or just interest me do you feel a responsibility to talk about certain things or is it just about like whatever you're interested in whatever like strikes you it, i think uh, it does feel like it's coming from just like a this is what i want to talk about right now right um like my newest bit is about how black women don't always get listened to by medical professionals. Mm. And that was a thing that was, has been on my mind for a while. Cause it's true and it sucks and it ha- it's happened to me. It's happened to my mom. It's happened to my friends. And I did want to figure out a way to talk about it. And I guess maybe there's a part of me that's like, if I talk about it, other people will talk about it yeah. and maybe we will like get closer to figuring out, what we can do to like stop this, but not in so much where it was like, it's my responsibility yeah. to say this. Like I'm the mouthpiece for this. Right. I mean, yes and no. I, I don't know. I guess there's, it's a combination of like, I'm a, I'm not dumb. I'm not, I'm aware if I talk about it, other people will talk about it too. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm in a very privileged position to be on stage and people will listen to me. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't want to put so much uh, weight on what I'm doing to think like if I don't talk about it, no one will kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is a lot. It can be overwhelming to, yeah. to think of it that way. I don't think I want that responsibility to like to be the person who's like, I don't know. I don't yeah. I think <laughs> the only way to like really succeed in expressing yourself is to talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. I don't think you can, if you feel like you need to say a certain thing, even if because it's the right thing to do or like because global warming is like a and it's an emergency and Mm -hmm. you know i I don't think you're going to be able to succeed as an artist unless that's absolutely what you feel like you have to talk about yeah yeah it's definitely not i don't talk about anything on stage that i don't want to talk about yeah so when i'm doing it it is still fun it does feel good to me right i'm like it's coming from a real place i think it i think the audience would tell too if i was just I don't know. Making a speech. Making a speech and just trying to like cater to what's hot right now Uh and be like, these are topics that I know you guys are interested in. It's more like these are topics that I'm interested in. I hope you care too, but honestly, it's not, that's not why I'm doing it. Right. But it does end up making a difference. Yeah. Like, and even stuff you were talking about last night with, with periods and uh, vaginas. Yeah. I think, you know, it's destigmatizing, right? So you say it in a room full of people, people are yelling out their experiences. And, uh, and I think everyone leaves, everybody who was in that room left and that's a little bit destigmatized for all of them. Yeah. You know, it's a nice side benefit, I think. Yeah. I do like having people come to me after shows saying like, I never knew about this thing before. I never thought about this thing in this way. Like, I mean, I've like had tons of men being like, I didn't know what a diva cup was before. <laughs> now, yeah. now I do. And it is like, uh, I, w- we all should be talking about this. It shouldn't be like a secret where it's like only women talk to each yeah. other about our reproductive I used issues to have a diva cup joke. 
Yeah? I did. I had a bunch of period jokes. I thought periods were really funny. They are funny. They are funny. I know. I think yeah. they're funny too. Yeah. Yeah. This I I had a bunch of period jokes and then um after a show, this girl was like, uh, do you talk about diva cups? And I'm like, what's a diva cup? Uh-huh. And, you know, and then she's like, she's like, you know, whatever, it's a cup, whatever. She's like, um, most people just throw it away, but I, I use mine to fertilize my garden. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm Whoa. like, well, that's a joke now. For sure. <laughs> I was like, we gotta talk about your tomatoes that you're getting from that. <laughs> it's kind of hard to. That's so funny, with her literal life-bearing goods. <laughs> she's yeah, creating. turning it right back into life. Yeah, yeah, it's very natural. Yeah, I think uh, it's a nice thing. And you also, you know, when you do that, you you do ask the audience if they have examples, and and then that was improvisational. Yeah. But do you? You don't do a ton of improvisational stuff on stage no not really um i guess i just like talking about myself a Uh lot so i'm rarely like what's your deal like let's talk about you in the crowd because i don't don't care but unless i ask but i thought it was a fun moment yeah because you did get you got some good riffs yeah yeah yeah. out out of what they were saying i i thought i thought it was fun uh when you did it yeah maybe i'll do it more too um because you have the ability right like that's like a skill you have in your back pocket that you're like not even incorporating not that you not that you need to incorporate it but no but you're right and i yeah i there are times where i do get bored and i'm like let's talk to the crowd um but it is like because last night you you were talking about when you're a young girl and you are exploring your vagina and you asked if they if anybody had put any objects and a woman said leaves yeah which you know that kind of scatters your brain yeah because it's not what you're expecting to she hear put leaves in her pussy and but you riffed off of it immediately yeah and it was funny and it was like okay well you got that's good improv skills Thanks. when you're handling that yeah maybe i'll do more of that we'll see yeah i don't, I, I guess sometimes i just don't do it because i'm like what if it's bad? <laughs> there's, there's always the well, yeah, it's risky. What if, what that, if it's bad? Well, that's the exciting. <laughs> that's the exciting thing about doing that stuff. I mean, believe me, I don't do. I don't take chances. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm on stage doing stand-up, like I'm trying to keep everything, you know, on track, and uh, I don't want any any possible any anything disra- derailing mm-hmm. me. But but it's it's exciting when it works. Yeah. So you and then you also you worked with the ACLU. Hmm. Um. Are you still working with them? I am. Yeah. It it really, there's no like schedule or it's kind of like whenever either party thinks of a thing to do, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm, I'm used as a mouthpiece for whatever they need. So if there's a certain topic we need to highlight, I can write an essay. I've written videos for them. Um, I'll like speak at things for them. And it's nice because I think they're trying to just reach a broad audience. They work for everybody. So they do want everybody to know who they are and what they do and what, what their services are. And so I do feel like I'm helping them by getting my audience aware of what they're doing and, right. and what's going on. And also they're helping me too. Cause like there, I talk about women's health and women's rights and, and other things but i don't know everything so sure. it's also a nice resource because they have they have everything they're like we have information about cases that happened with this law or with this law or with this clinic yeah i was gonna say has it changed how you think about the, that stuff? yeah i would imagine yeah you get deep into that stuff yeah you start to really learn it's really nice and i guess it's also kind of like helped pump up this uh learning urge i have like it i don't i don't know my material always wasn't always like i learned about this but right now i'm in a moment where i do feel like i'm like wait where did this come from and then i do the research to figure out where it came from and then i'm like oh holy shit we all need to be talking about this i think that's a very fun style of comedy yeah i like it right now yeah yeah kind of uh john oliver you know that's obviously like a s- extreme like mm-hmm. version of doing that but i do think it's fun to like get deep into an issue and uh really figure figure out where it all came from because so many things that we just take for granted as being normal you know make they don't make any sense at all you know they're ridiculous yeah we were talking about 
progress last night? How how do you think where uh, the country's <laughs> doing? Um, you know, I do think the last couple of years have been cool to see how um, how much people can affect change. Like people, I don't know if people really understood the power of like a mass of people doing something together. Yeah. Like all the marches we've had, all the protests we've had, all the strikes we've had, like it's nice when you can see a positive result from people actually using their voice. Mm -hmm. Cause most of the time it's easy to be like, well, my voice isn't heard or like my vote doesn't count. My, yeah. if I try to do something, I'm just one person. But like, I think now there's a lot of people realizing we can get something done. If, if there's a lot of us, there's yeah. strength in numbers. If we all stop buying from this company, they're going to feel it. If we all stop, watching this show or participating in this thing they'll it's going to hurt them so yeah let's yeah. use that yeah and it, with each success it's empowering yeah and it's uh yeah everybody yeah i i remember talking to uh a person that i know after the the election and he was like he was like, well, you know, I'm not convinced it's a bad thing. And I'm like, okay, that's the war. I mean, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you don't know what good things are going to come out of it. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine to say, but it's, it's blatantly a bad thing. There's, there's so many horrible things are going to happen as a result of this. And for, yeah. for decades. Yes. Um, but you know, the, I think now because of the backlash and you, I've, it does feel like, Democrats have not to like get super into politics, but I do feel like Democrats have been woken up a bit for sure. And I, they were really just sleepwalking through everything. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully, and, and I think the other thing is too, which I, I, I definitely was a, in that, in that camp of just thinking like things are progressing nicely. Everybody, we're all coming along. Everything's getting better. It's not too bad. And, uh, you know, really paying attention over, over the past years, but even like kind of even the, maybe the two years before that it started, I started realizing like, Oh, there's lots of like very bad things still going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people didn't realize that. And I think, it, I mean, I think the Democrats got woken up. Citizens got woken up. We are, are voting smarter. We're realizing yeah. like, oh, what do these positions actually do? What does Congress do? Okay, so if I vote for this person, they're going to do what exactly? And that's important instead of being like, well, the president is this person, then everything will be fine. You know, right. there's so many other yeah, factors right, right. involved with your community and and how you can actually affect that. Right. It's not just like, well, if he's in charge, then, you know. But hopefully my pothole, the potholes in my right. road will be fixed. It's right. like, no, actually there's someone closer Completely to you different, yeah. who, can, who can fix that stuff. And you can figure out who that person is. Yeah, it does. It is a, it is like a wake up for everybody to realize. And hopefully people will stay engaged and, uh, you know, and keep pushing to make things better. Like, yeah. And like you're saying in their cities and, and, yeah. uh, across the country. Yeah. What about comedy? Do you think things are getting better in comedy? I think so. I guess, yeah. I don't know. I guess better how, like, well, content or people or both. Yeah, you know the mix. Obviously, the mix of people is mm -hmm. changing, and and the content is changing also. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, I guess it's getting better. I don't know. I don't. It's know. Did different. you did you feel like you had obstacles? Like, do you think you had extra obstacles like mm. being a black woman trying to navigate New York, or do you think you just you fit in naturally? I don't know if I had obstacles in the way that people think of like obstacles for race and gender. Like, I don't yeah. know if, if I had like anyone who's like, no, we won't allow her to do this thing right. because she's a black woman. Like, I don't think people were like, you know, arms crossed standing at a door because like, we're not letting you in. That shit has happened to people, you know, sure, be sure. before I got here. Um, and probably is still happening. But like, I don't think, I don't know if that happened. I think, microaggressions have probably happened where people are like instinctively leaning towards people who are like them. Like a lot of bookers, a lot of club owners, a lot of theater owners, a lot of producers, a lot of studio heads, a lot of casting directors are white people or white men or men who like other men. And so you may like instinctively 
you just gravitate towards people who of are course, like you. Yeah. I like women. I love other female comics and that's okay. I also like male comics, but if I'm running a lineup, which I have created many live shows before and had all women accidentally and didn't even think about it. Right. So I could see that happening for other bookers who are like, well, I want to put together a list of funny people and they're only thinking of men or white men who are right. just like them because that's what their humor is. Right. Um, even like people reviewing things or, or consuming things or, or, or putting it out and they're like, oh yeah, you should see these comics. These are the funniest comics this year. These are the albums that are the best mm -hmm. this year. And it's like, well, that's your opinion. And that, and, you know, that's what a reviewer's opinion is. But it's like, what if we had yeah. a more diverse people reviewing things right. or writing about things or going to shows and looking for the comedy that is hot right now, then we would have more exposure on, on all types of comedy instead of just the same people over and over and over again. Right, of course. So um, those obstacles exist where it's like, well, we can't control what people like. What about individual <laughs> audience members? Like, do you think that male audience members are receiving you? I mean, obviously they're receiving you differently than female audience members, but do you think they're, do you feel like they're, can you tell if there's a resistance among them compared to how mm. they would accept a male comic? Um, You know, if... I'm headlining a show. Everyone who's coming likes me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and I do. Or at least understands that they're coming to see a female headliner. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think there there would be many men in my crowd who are like, well, well what is this? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't believe she's talking about being a black woman. It was right. like, my face is on the poster. Of course, of course you knew I was going right. to talk about this. Um, but I, I think I, I've definitely done shows where I'm like one of many, where I'm like on the lineup. Right. And I can see men frowning or crossing their arms or getting upset or like truly squeamish or saying yuck. <laughs> like yeah. uh, when I'm talking about my pussy or periods or um, I don't, I think I like said, oh, I think I, I guess I was talking about um, women, women pleasing themselves or, or like just exploring their, their pussy and just knowing their bodies more. And this guy in a crowd, like, shout it which you, i couldn't even hear what he said but he just like this this loud audible just like Ugh! and i was like <laughs> are you okay <laughs> and he was just he oh i think he said you're wrong which i was also like no i'm not <laughs> and, and wrong about what yeah yeah and uh but i think he was also wasted but it was just so strange and we had this like exchange and also when people heckle me i don't i I'm not like a, I'm a shut you down, fuck right, you right, and right, your mom. Right. Like you got an ugly shirt on. I'm more like a teacher or like their mom. Where I'm like, mm -hmm. do you want to continue having fun? Cause you're <laughs> ruining everyone's experience right now. I think that's a good technique. And it works. I mean, either they'll leave because I'm yeah. like logically talking to them. Like you have a choice to leave if you want to, you, if you're not enjoying yourself, you do not have to stay. And sure. they're like, Oh yeah, you're right. I can go. Um, or I could shut up and just like wait for the next joke. Maybe I'll like it. And so this, I did that to this guy and, and he was just like really out of it <laughs> and just kept screaming. And I was like, I honestly don't care if you go or stay, you just got to shut up. If right. you don't enjoy what I'm saying, that's okay. But the people around you do enjoy it. So stop ruining it for them. And he didn't want to. So the security had to lead him, lead him out. But and then his wife had to go too. And she, honestly, she didn't have to go. She could have stayed if she wanted to. But she was like, I really enjoyed what you were saying. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's good. so frustrating. To, I've, I've watched that so many times in comedy shows where I've kicked people out or people have gotten kicked out. And where one person in the couple wants to stay and the other mm -hmm. person is getting kicked out or wants to leave. And then and then they got to go. Yeah. Because they, you know, it's too hard to stay. Uh, yeah. But I want to be like girl, you can stay. <laughs> Just take a lift home. You yeah, don't have yeah. to go with your Yeah, that's almost the dude. beginning of the end of their relationship, though. Yeah, that's very Because you're like, you know what? You can stay. And she's like, I can stay. Maybe. And then, <laughs> but then that's like, that's just only two more steps for, from her moving out. <laughs> yeah. So that is a lot. That's a lot that's, to take on. That's very true. But also like, yeah, leave but him. She probably should. Yeah, yeah. If he's going to be that awful in public, he's yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, You want to sure. stay with that? Um. Yeah, the etiquette in in any kind of comedy space has gone. I, maybe it's not gone down. Maybe it's just always been crazy. I but think it's always been crazy. Yeah, but I don't. You think it's getting worse? I feel like it's getting better. Mm, I don't know. It's bad. 
In your headlining shows? Not in my headlining shows, but I've seen other shows where I'm just like, what is happening? Really? You feel like people have like uh, feeling more of a right to speak back to the comedian? For sure. Wow. Or just like, they just don't know how shows work. I saw Birbigli on Broadway and people were, had their phones out recording him. And he was like, this is a theater. What are oh, you doing? Yeah. Wow. And uh, yeah, I just don't know why people aren't aware or like they just don't listen to the rules or don't even know that there are rules that apply to them. Yeah, I, I, th- I think a lot of, I think comics forget that a lot of people are just consuming one comedian only yeah and like don't have any concept of like the culture of of stand-up and what's the normal way to behave and like Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do i think i think a lot of hecklers and people disrupting shows genuinely just don't know what they're supposed to do yeah and then the rest of them are drunk this is true or which sucks yeah or or they're crazy some there's a handful of crazy people there are that a handful are just, of crazy people yeah that uh that disrupt shows but but yeah i think uh some people think that's part of the show like yeah when they see those videos it's like aziz handles a heckler right. or like you know sarah silverman hands this guy's ass in the show but it's like and they're like that's me i'm the heckler yeah and they're proud of that and i'm like, like no, i'm gonna no, be no. in a youtube video we yeah. don't want that yeah, it's, everyone's making fun of you yeah, yeah we hate the, you you're, you're the, the worst right. you ruined this person's flow now the energy's weird like yeah it's it's not good i've i mean personally i i kind of feel like it's getting a little bit better just because stand-up has gotten so much more popular mm-hmm. and there's so many comedy podcasts now and people I really learn about it a lot more than they, than they used to. So I think that the amount of people that get it is a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. There are more audience members who are savvy and will help you. Like that guy I talked about who was screaming when I was talking about pussies, the audience was like, no, he sucks. He needs to leave. (laughs) Sure. Which is great. And I'm like, Oh yes, let's all, the crowd gets it. Let's all have like, as a group, get this guy out of here. <laughs> I think that's really, that is like a good, that's like a really good example of why, like, I do think it's getting better is because when people do that, it's, I, I mean, to me, almost universal, the crowd is against it. Mm-hmm. The crowd never turns on the comic and is on the side of the heckler. The, everyone's annoyed. Everybody's yeah. annoyed that they're messing the show up. Yeah. And they pay to be here. Stay on the side of the comic. Yeah. They want to have a show. Well, I think uh, I think we've done a great job here. I think we did a great job too. Congratulations on all the stuff you got going on. Thank you. And we'll look out for Robbie. Mm-hmm. And uh, hope you have some good shows tonight. I will. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.